Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Immigration. We're going to start with immigration today. We found out this week that our national population is, for the first time, over 36 million. And uh, the immigration numbers for the last year, 320,932. That's the largest number of immigrants to arrive in this country in a calendar year since 1971. Now, that includes the 30,000 Syrian refugees who arrived here. But it has uh, it's generated a fair bit of conversation about just how much immigration this country requires. It's also reminded people that our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told the New York Times last year that there is no core identity, no mainstream in Canada. Well, there's no core Canadian identity, says the Prime Minister, and there's no mainstream um, in this country. And he defined Canada as the first post-national state, whatever that means. The Swiss people, as you know from our conversations with the vice president of the Swiss People's Party, voted by way of referendum just fairly recently to end mass immigration to Switzerland. And you know from this program that in Switzerland they, of course, have three or four occasions a year when referenda are held, and the people of Switzerland decide on those referenda questions what it is they want their federal government to do. And so a majority of Swiss people said, we put an end to mass immigration. The federal government said no. Even though they're constitutionally bound to follow the will of the people during those referenda votes, or following those referenda votes, the Swiss government said no. We're not going to do it. And Luzi Stamm is the vice president of the Swiss People's Party. He joined us a couple of weeks ago. He'll be back later on this hour to address another move that the Swiss people have made, which you may or may not agree with. But they are on the vanguard, as it were, of uh, European countries that are challenging their federal governments on immigration issues. But what about these immigration numbers For Canada, 320,000 in uh, the last calendar year, the largest number since 1971. Usually, when we talk about immigration, Martin Collicott is with us, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon, and Richard Curland, immigration lawyer, uh, they're usually here as a tandem. Mr. Curland is not able to join us today. He's traveling. But Ambassador Collicott is with us, and Martin, thank you for the time, and what do you make of the 320,000 immigrants in a calendar year? Is that a good thing for Canada or not necessarily so? How do you see it? Not necessarily so. And I think you can tie this to the fact that the immigration minister, John McCallum, uh, has been calling for a further increase in immigration levels. Now, the government didn't, the Liberals didn't indicate they planned to do this in the run-up to the election last year. And the reason is that there is very little public support for doing this. A recent forum poll showed only 13% of Canadians believe Canada currently accepts too few immigrants. That is, they don't they think we have enough already. In fact, three times as many said we're already taking too many. So why didn't the government mention this? Obviously, because it wasn't popular. And why are they then saying now they want to increase the numbers? And it's mainly John McCallum, but he must be doing it with the approval of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and the cabinet. Um, it's quite clearly for political gain 
not because it's good for Canadians. Now, Canadians aren't anti-immigrant. I think we're among the pro, most pro-immigrant in the world. And my parents are immigrants. My wife's one. One of our daughters-in-law is one. Um, and immigration's done a lot of good for Canada. But it's quite clear at this juncture we don't need a lot more immigrants. Some, yes. But uh, increasing the numbers does not have public support. John McCallum went all around the country this summer uh, supposedly having consultations with Canadians about immigration levels, but it's quite clear he spoke mostly to those who have a vested interest in wanting them, and that's a minority. The majority of Canadians don't... Uh, the population gets larger, the economy gets larger. With, well, well, let's, uh, more. let's talk about that, Martin. What's the argument that Mr. McCallum would put forward for increasing the numbers of immigrants coming into this country? Well, he's made two so far, and neither of which is valid. He says we're facing looming labor shortages. That is simply not true. Two different banks have done analysis saying we aren't the former uh, um, parliamentary budget officer said the same thing. We do have shortages uh, here and there. They can be met domestically. We have the manpower, we have person power, we have the training. Uh, We need relatively few immigrants, maybe some and the ones we're going, to, the, the government plans to bring in aren't the ones to meet uh, our economic needs. They're going to be family class uh, and other people who so will are be. So, then, Martin, are we then talking about what we've talked about previously when it comes to politicians and immigration, regardless of whether it was a conservative government or a liberal government, that it uh, suits the political parties to bring in more people because those people will then feel beholden to the political party that brought them into the country and thereby they guarantee themselves votes. Yeah, um, and that's... Or is that too cynical? Guilty of that, but the liberals are going a step further. They're also reducing the requirements for getting citizenship so that people don't have to speak as much English or French. Uh, They can get it more quickly. They don't have to have such strong ties to Canada. And it's all to get votes. And I think the even the media now is becoming so aware of this that this is going to backfire uh, as the public becomes more and more aware, it is not going to get more votes for the Well, who does, it, who's it, who does it backfire on? Does it backfire on the immigrants? Does it backfire on the government? Does it backfire on both? Well, it's, I'm talking about backfiring on the government. Um, the immigrants are going to have a tough time because in places like Vancouver, it's, uh, uh, it's very, very expensive, and, uh, and it's creating a lot of problems here in terms of housing costs. Um, uh, but I'm talking about backfiring on the government. The government thinks this is a way of using immigration policy to get more votes rather than serve Canadians. And I think it's now the media is becoming more and more aware of this. Even the pro-immigration Globe and Mail has said we've got to have a serious review of uh, what's going on here and whether we really need more immigrants. Is there a number that makes sense? Because I think at the moment it's, one percent of the national population annually, if I have that correctly, and that does that not put Canada at the highest rate based on national population in of any country in the well, world? We are at the highest rate, although the one percent has never been reached. Um, that figure was just thrown out there by someone some years ago, uh, but um, we're 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 among the top, and we're among the countries that least lead uh, at least need high levels of immigration. We can use some, but uh, we don't need anywhere near what we're getting. And Canadians are increasingly getting to be aware of that. Let me ask They're- you this question: If the argument is made, 
as you're making it, that we don't need to have the numbers of immigrants coming into the country that we have, that there's a political motivation perhaps for doing so. But if you argue against that, if you argue against immigration, then immediately, and I've heard this on this program, people will call you a racist and a bigot. Well, that's been the main argument. Instead of getting into a rational discussion and talking about the actual facts, they say if you don't like it, you're a xenophobe or you're anti-immigrant or you're even a racist. That is not true. Canadians still welcome people from all over the world. But that's quite a different subject from numbers and large numbers that you don't need and that are putting stress on the health care system, the housing costs. Uh, but, but the people who uh, want more immigration because it suits their interests are going to keep crying xenophobe and racist as they're doing in other countries. Uh, simply to get what they want and shut down the discussion. I have, I'm, uh, not, I'm not afraid to <laughs> take on that discussion. Mr. Ambassador, I have one minute. What is what is a number that makes sense? Is it, is it a numeric issue, or is it a, a, a we need this type of immigrant issue? Which one is it? Or is it a combination of the two? It's numeric. If we... Uh, Look at how many people we the economy really needs and can absorb properly. Um, uh, it's it's numeric. I won't put an exact figure, but I'll just guess that half the number we're currently bringing in would be quite sufficient if right. we bring in the right people. But the government, in fact, is going to cater less to the serious economic needs we may have and more to bringing in family class because that'll get votes from people already here. Well, we're back to the votes. Bring, yeah. Martin, thank you. It's always good talking to you. I appreciate the time. Thank you for asking me. Martin Collicott, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon. and He has made immigration an issue that he's followed and spoken on and written op-ed pieces in the Globe and Mail about and other papers like the National Post. Been on this program many times. My number is 888-225-8255, 888-225-8255-416-870-6400, 6400, and my question is this, do you support current levels of immigration to Canada? Do you think they should be higher, do you think they should be lower? Do we need more immigrants, less immigrants, are the numbers of immigrants that are coming in now just about right, 320,000 last year, largest number since 1971, an immigrant. Say what is on your mind. Don't run because you think somebody may label you. If you say something that doesn't belong on the air, I'll take care of that. Are the numbers that uh, are entering Canada now, currently, about 1% of the population, at least that's the objective, according to the federal government, or federal governments in succession, that just about right? Or are there too many immigrants coming into Canada? Triple A two two five eight two five five four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. What the hell does Trudeau mean when he tells the New York Times there is no core identity, no mainstream in Canada, and that Canada is the first post-nation national state? What are you talking about, Mr. Prime Minister? Even the New York Times couldn't figure out what you were talking about. Uh, Joan in Calgary. Hi, Joan. Hello. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. I think we are getting too many. Our health system, every province is struggling, 
and we have so many homeless people of our own here that need to be cared for. And we have had through the years many, many immigrant grandparents coming in, and they're all old. I'm old, too. And I tell you, it's Joan, 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 listen to me a second. Do you resent... Do you resent immigrants entering the country now? Are, you, are we at a stage now, and I'm asking that because of the questions that have been asked in Switzerland that have been put to the Swiss people by referendum, okay? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk to the vice president of the Swiss People's Party in a few minutes' time. Mm-hmm. He's been with us before, um, uh, Lutzi Stamm. Do you, do you, are you uncomfortable with the numbers of immigrants coming to Canada? Yes, and is that, is that is that because... Because... Finish the sentence for me. Oh, because our country is stressed now. So our so oh, our infrastructure is stressed, and we cannot we cannot accommodate everyone who is coming into the country now. That is Jones' point of view. This is a global issue, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't just a Canadian issue. It's not a European issue. The Australians are debating the issue as well. This is a global issue because we have a globalized world or there's an increasing globalization that is taking place and there's pushback. And we've had the Prime Minister uh, comment on that and say that the pushback shouldn't be happening. Michael's in Brampton, Ontario. Michael, go ahead, please. Yeah, you know, I, I think the one thing we've got to consider is that in the past, Canada... Uh, along with many other countries, were land of opportunities for those uh, who were kind of in poverty. And so, you know, you're looking at that, a lot of people are coming into Canada going, okay, well, there's freedom, there's jobs, there's opportunities. But right now, there aren't the jobs that there used to be. There's still the freedom. But the fact is, is that we're allowing 300,000 people to immigrate into, into Canada. And we don't, have, we don't have the infrastructure in terms of jobs, in terms of opportunities. And so they get here, and they're, they're going to be in poverty here too. And the fact is, is that we can accept that. But the government can't accept that many people moving into Canada and expect no poverty to happen. So what they, what they, Michael, what they, and I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you very much. What needs to be done, and we're told that it cannot be done because of the charter, even though John McCallum is one of the people who suggested it, is that if somebody wants to enter this country in a hurry and has specific skills, and those skills are required in a certain part of Canada, then the immigrant, in order to be fast-tracked into this country, should be required to go where those skills are required and stay there for a period of time, a period of years. We're going to come back with more of your calls. Immigration numbers, too large, too small, just about right. And we'll be talking with the vice president of the Swiss People's Party. Don't go away. There is no core identity, no mainstream in Canada. And Canada is the first post-national state. Are you just trying to find words that you think sound impressive, Prime Minister? Are you trying to define for us, please, what first post-national state means? It's a contradiction in terms. You manage to contradict yourself in three words. It's quite a skill, actually. You seem to have perfected that, along with the uh, selfies. It's the Roy Green Show on the Corliss Radio Network. We're talking about immigration. The number is 320,000 into this country last year, the largest number since 1971. And the question that I'm asking you, and it's got our phone lines burning up, is this. Are the numbers right, too large, or too small? And you're hearing 
what people are saying. And it is an issue that is a global, global conversation. In some parts of the world, it's more energetic than others. Now, the Swiss people are on the vanguard of Europeans forcing their government to follow a different tack. And that is to enshrine Swiss values and require all newcomers to adhere to them. Prime Minister says we don't have any values. The Swiss people tell their government, we do, and you will follow us. And the constitutionally, they're bound to do so. Uh, just recently, by majority, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone or anything, I'm just quoting from what happens in Switzerland when they have national referenda. Somebody, somebody raises a question, enough people in Switzerland sign on, 100,000, and when 100,000 say, yeah, that's something I'd like to vote on, it goes on to the national referendum ballot, and three or four times a year in Switzerland they have these national referendum ballots, and whatever the Swiss people decide by majority, their federal government has to follow. You've heard me say that on this program many times. Sort of like an election every three or four years, except you decide what the election issue is. So by majority, the Swiss people recently decided that they would ban burkas. And the Swiss, again, by majority population not long ago, upheld the tradition of school children shaking hands with their teachers each morning. I remember that because I went to school in Switzerland as a kid. And we all lined up and we all shook hands with the teacher. Male students must shake hands with female teachers. Failure to do so results in heavy fines. Now, in one school, two Muslim boys, 13 and 14 years of age, the sons of a Syrian imam, refused to shake hands with their female teacher. And that caused a national uproar and across the social, the philosophical, and the political spectrum. The Swiss people were determined to underwrite that students must shake hands of teachers, and that decision was taken and passed by the Swiss federal government. Now, the Swiss people again recently by referendum decided, as you heard uh, Lutzi Stamm, the vice president of the Swiss People's Party, tell us a few weeks ago, decided that they would vote against mass immigration. Mr. Stamm told us that the Swiss government said, well, even though we're constitutionally bound to follow the will of the people and you've decided that and you've told us that there must be an end to mass immigration, we're not going to follow your lead because we consider that to be racist. So the Swiss government is denying its obligations under the Swiss Constitution. Um, Lucy Stamm joins us again on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Um, Lucy, thank you for the time. Our Prime Minister says that Canada has no core identity. There's no mainstream Canada. I would I would venture that Swiss people would, 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 would take great exception if any politician in Switzerland were to say that there are there's no core Swiss identity. You are right. You are right. And I hope the Swiss population is continuing on this path. Um, that is correct. The Swiss people think they have a national identity, and I hope that's going to stay like this. All right. I have to. Now, Switzerland's been a country for eight or nine hundred years. You have four official languages. So there's about six languages spoken, and everybody gets along. Everybody have to, understands the definition of what Switzerland's about if you're a Swiss citizen. Now, the. Uh, the Swiss people, by majority, make decisions, as we've talked about, uh, for their federal government in constitutionally enshrined national referenda. So the No Burkas uh, initiative was passed. Students must shake hands with teachers. 
and mass immigration. The next question is, or the question is, is this specifically aimed at Muslims? I don't think so. Because on one hand, our country is very tolerant, and also as far as religious questions are concerned. But there are some, some limits. I mean, to you as a Canadian, I don't have to tell you to an open society. It also belongs that you have to look, be able to look at each other's face. I think that is um, far beyond Swiss um, philosophy. That is the Western culture. We have to stick to this. So, so the Swiss government, the federal government of Switzerland, uh, has no issue with enshrining shaking hands, no issue with uh, enshrining no burkas, no issue uh, in, in enshrining uh, similar uh, referenda that have been passed uh, or decided on by the people uh, in Switzerland, including we talked about a couple of weeks ago, there was a referendum on no fighter jets to be bought by the Swiss military. Um, but the, but the Swiss government, you told us, is refusing to pass the referendum decision to end mass immigration. Has there been any, any change in that? Um, no, um, or, or yes and no. Switzerland has, as you said, a wonderful political system in the following sense. Um, the majority of the Swiss people can decide on any subject. It might be, as you said, an um, uh, uh, um, uh, army plane. It might be basic questions like raising taxes, yes or no. It might be um, free immigration, yes or no. And the government has to follow, or it should follow. In some um, questions, we have the tendency that the government um, starts to refuse to follow the people. But indeed, and I think it's very important, the people can say we want to ban burkas, and then sooner or later it will not be possible for the government anymore not to behave. And it could also be uh, somebody in Switzerland could say, I want to ban blue jeans. And if enough people in Switzerland were to say, yeah, I want that on the referendum, it would be, on the, it would be a referendum question. I'm just taking something out of the air. And if a majority of Swiss people were to sign on to that, there would be a law that would say no more blue jeans. And the government would be required to follow the lead of, of the people of Switzerland. Let me ask you this. Yep. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Theoretically, you're right. And it's totally correct what you said. But don't ever think Switzerland, the majority of the population, will be so stupid to ban um, um, genes. Yeah, no, I, know I know it already, and you know it. Nobody in Canada, nobody in the United States, nobody in Switzerland would ban blue jeans. So what I'm but, trying to, what I was trying to say is this. Yeah, I, I understand. Theoretically, yeah. you're totally correct. What, what, but, I, what, what I'm suggesting is that the, the questions that are raised by on these national referenda, yes, they have to satisfy a hundred thousand people before they get onto the referendum. So if it's a silly question like let's ban blue jeans, it would never make it onto the referendum. You're one hundred percent correct. Now Lucci, who is allowed to emigrate to Switzerland and how difficult is it to become a Swiss citizen? For example, I was born in Switzerland. Uh, would it be a, could I, after many years of being out of the country since I was a kid, would I be allowed back into the country uh, automatically or not? This is the problem not only Switzerland has, but only in the other countries of the European Union. Unfortunately, 
we go more and more towards the um, principle, everybody can come into our country. And once you're here and you have a right to stay, it is a question of time until you're, um, you get the, the, um, not, um, um, you get the citizenship. Or how, how, how do you say in English? Um, it is a question of time. The main danger is, um, if you have free immigration, and we are close to that in Switzerland, then um, you can't get rid of the problems anymore. I just heard you said a few minutes ago that Canada apparently has 320,000 um, immigrants a year. Last year, you, last year. Okay, okay. If you exaggerate as far as this number is concerned, if you say 1 million can come, 2 million can come, then you have a problem. So when Switzerland, when the Swiss people, and it was the Swiss People's Party who put the question on, got the question on the referendum about mass immigration, when the majority of people who voted on that particular referendum decided yes. that they wanted to put an end to mass immigration, and the federal government of Switzerland said, no, we're not going to pass that particular legislation, um, what about the rest of Europe? How is the rest of, of Europe reacting to the decisions being taken by the Swiss people on these referendum questions? With very much interest. People from Germany, France, Italy, etc., they look at Switzerland and they say, gee, those people can vote on this question. And I'm totally convinced, convinced it is a question of time until the Swiss population can change not only the politics in our own country, but we hopefully have a certain influence on the other countries. In, in that sense, we all could see worldwide in a certain way, England now was an example. England said, Brexit, finished, finished, um, the, the, the people want to say, finished with free immigration, and Switzerland is on the same path. So, um, five years from now, uh, how is Switzerland going to, what's the law, what's the rule going to be in Switzerland, do you think, as far as immigration is concerned, five years from now, what do you think? I'm not sure, but one thing I'm positive um, we're going to be more restrictive. This past, um, everybody can come into our countries. As um, Angela Merkel in Germany said, this is um, totally insane. I'm convinced in five or ten years, nobody's going to talk about open borders anymore. Well, there's, there's a long way to go and a lot of things being said and much conversation being held nationally, internationally. Correct, Lutz, Lutz, and a right. lot of political work. A lot of work. Well, there'll be a lot of, certainly be a lot of politics involved. I always thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And I wish Canada all the luck. And I know in that sense they are much smarter than the Swiss at the present time and because Canada would never open its borders for immigration as much as Switzerland has in the last years. I, I, I don't know about that because I don't know what Switzerland's situation has been like. But I, I thank you as always for the time. And thank you and all the best. Thank to you. all of you. Luzi Stamm, Vice President of the Swiss People's Party. I don't know what, I really don't know what Switzerland's situation has been like. I guess it's been pretty much open borders, but um, that's how their system works. If you want to change something in Switzerland, then you, uh, you formulate a question, you get it into the process, and if 100,000 people say, yeah, yeah, I want to vote on that, 
then it goes into the um, goes on to the next referendum ballot, and then the whole country votes on it. And if a majority side, well, majority is going to side one way or the other. So there will be a decision on the on the question that was raised and put on the referendum ballot, and the government is then obliged to respond accordingly. I'm just irritated by Justin Trudeau saying there's no core identity, no mainstream in Canada. Really. You know, people want to belong to something, Mr. Prime Minister. And if you're a newcomer, remember I came to this country, I was so proud to be I was so proud to be part of part of Canada. Still am. So don't tell me I'm not part of something. We'll come back with uh, your phone calls. Thank you for your patience. Those of you holding on, we're going to get back to you at uh, 888-225-8255 and 416-870-6400. And the question again is, immigration numbers, are they right? Are the numbers too big, too large, or are they too small? Should there be more immigrants, less immigrants, or is it just about right? You know, when you're when you're applying to come to Canada as an immigrant, not a bad person. You're applying to come to the country. It's how the country deals with the application and then deals with the immigration issue internally that needs to be discussed, debated, and satisfactorily dealt with to the greater satisfaction of people in the country. I know there are people measuring every single word I'm saying and trying to determine whether they can hang a label on me. This is from uh, Candace to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Um, including myself, many people I know after years of post-secondary education cannot find a job. We do not have the jobs available for immigrants. The colleges I went to were full of immigrants who were updating their education toward getting the very jobs I'm after. So, um, you know, if we ignore what people are saying, if we ignore what people are thinking, if we ignore the issues that are percolating, we're not doing ourselves or anybody any favors. It's not good enough to say this was the largest number of immigrants since 1971, 320,000 last year. We have to talk to each other about what that implies, what, what it means to everyone. To everyone. That's what we need to do. But there are people in the political arena who try to frighten you from having a discussion. Nothing is served by being frightened. Robert is in Napanee, Ontario. Roy, um, I recently phoned the MP's office in Peterborough, Ontario, and I said, your immigration policy, uh, bringing in family unifications, bringing over older people in, I said, it's nice, but I said, it's not economically viable for the country. So I was politely told I was, that was a racist statement. And then the second thing I said to him, I said, could you tell me the percentage of the Syrian refugees that come into Canada are of the Christian faith? Well, sir, that's very racist. I wasn't, there was no racism involved in either statement. I was wondering, you know, what percentage of people are what and what people we have to really fear for and fear not for. Did you, speak, mean, to, did you speak to your MP or an MP's representative, Robert? MP's representative. And, and did you challenge the MP's representative? Did you ask to speak to the MP, get the MP to call you? 
I call. I asked for the MP to call me. She never did. She never did. And this is the same woman's in charge of re, of uh, redistributing our electoral system. And I said, Well, you have a right to an answer to your question. And when you call your member of parliament, the member of parliament, I think has the obligation to engage in conversation with you. Whether or not they agree with you, that's another issue. And and the fact that you call would suggest to me that you're, you know, unless you're totally intolerant and shouting and screaming and being obscene, uh, then then you deserve to uh, to be engaged in conversation with Robert. I thank you for the call. That's what, that's what I said. It's about just hurling labels. It doesn't work. You don't have to accept it. It's a relevant issue. It's an issue that matters. It's an issue that government raises. It's an issue that government raises. And then they raise it, and we're not supposed to talk about it. It's not the way it works.